Christ. And I look at Jonathan and his family. You know, he got Alicia on the, the um, base. I was impressed with that, but I'm amazed because y'all know who ran the words? Maddie. If you were, if you in his house, you're going to work for Jesus. Amen? And that's how we all ought to be. And I don't know about you. I praise God for that. And then I look in I, that song, Oh, How Beautiful. You know, anytime Jesus touches your life, it don't matter how ugly things are. It don't matter how it, it may look so bad that you are hiding it as best you can. But one touch of his mercy, he can take the most hideous thing in your life, the thing you're most ashamed of, and he can turn it into something beautiful. And that's what he does. He takes old sinners, rough, people that have never done anything in their life to bring in glory, and he touches us with his mercy and his grace, and he makes us new creatures, creatures that he puts the ability, he gives us the potential back to be what he created us to be. People who bring glory and honor to his name. I don't know about y'all, but when I looked at Sandy singing that, y'all know that verse, I love that verse. It says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as if you do it for the Lord and not for men. You know what? She gave it her all. That's what we ought to do today. I don't know what you did, but if you came, if you give God what he deserves, I promise you what, he's going to give you what you don't deserve. Because no matter what we give him, we can never earn it. We never can deserve for him to show us mercy, to give us grace. But the greatest thing is when you know he's given you back what was robbed from you through sin and the devil and the world, and then you have his life, you can give that life back to him. That's an awesome thing, amen? And that's when you're worshiping. That's when God is real to you. And today I want us to look at something. What a blessing to know that God's taken us somewhere today. If you've done the, and made the decision that I'm just not going to be like the multitude of most people and believe in Jesus, I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to follow Jesus. You know that song we sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Next to I have decided to trust Jesus to be saved, that's the greatest day of your life, amen? When you truly in your heart get to a place where you say, Lord, I don't want to just come hear about you. I don't want to just come hang out with the Jesus crowd. Lord, I want to go where you're going. I want, to do, I want you, Lord, to lead my life. And in your heart, you wholeheartedly begin to follow Jesus. Let me tell you something. Jesus is going to take you somewhere. You know what? I don't know about y'all, but I look back at my life and how many times I've been with the crowd in the same old thing, in the same old place, stuck on the wrong side. But one day Jesus said, come with me and I'll take you to the other side. You know, when we got saved, we all trapped. You ain't getting out of this on your own. You're not going up, you're going down without Jesus, friend. And you're not going to the other side, you're going to the underside, amen? But with Jesus, he's taking us all to the other side. And friends, I want you to look at this. This is a, a wonderful passage. You've heard it many times. I hope it'll be fresh to us this morning that God will have a fresh word to show us. But if you look with me in verse 35 of chapter 4, a verse many of us has heard and most people focus on the storms. And thank God that Jesus has power over the storms of our life. But I want to focus on some different things about this passage this morning. And it says right there in verse 35, on the same day, Jesus has been teaching a multitude of people that's so big, he had to get in Peter's boat and push off from the shore to have room to speak to him. The multitude was so huge, and they'd all come to hear Jesus. And we've come today, hopefully, to hear Jesus and look at what happens. On the same day when evening had come, so it's the end of the day, 
he says to them, let us cross over to the other side. And now when they had left the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And Jesus says to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, we look at this, and man, I don't know about y'all, but I look at my life, and I'm amazed at the times Jesus gave me the same offer. He didn't tell everybody in the multitude. He only chose a certain few. And he is preaching to a whole multitude. They're all there. They're all hearing the call of God to come to God through the Son. They're all receiving truth straight from God himself, the Son of God. Jesus is preaching. They're hearing a wonderful parable of the sower of the seed. The seed is the word of God. God's Son is the ultimate sower of the word. Ain't nobody ever could have sowed it better, so it's being perfectly sowed by God himself. And he's teaching them, though, that even though the seed is perfect, the word of God, the gospel, and what it can do, bring salvation and the change and fruit in a life, the heart that it lands in, though, is dependent on the person and the choices he makes. And he shows them there's four soils, there's four hearts, and different reactions and different circumstances come from what people did with the Word of God. And so he's taught all that. And at the end of that, some of them was fine. They didn't understand it. But the ones that ended up getting to go with him in the boat said, what are you saying? We don't understand. They didn't just come to hear the Word. They wanted more from the Word. They wanted to be able to understand the Word. They wanted to know what the Word meant. And Jesus took time to teach them. And at the end of that, after he's sharing with them and explaining to them, he he tells them, let us go to the other side. How many of you can identify in your life since Jesus has been there that there's been times where you was just going their best to go hear Jesus and be in the crowd with the people who listen to Jesus and Jesus seeing you in your situation and said, let us go. Get in the boat. And the Bible says that in the, 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 the Luke's translation in chapter 8, it says, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake and they launched out. Has Jesus ever took you, put you in his boat, and launched you out? Friends, I looked in my life when I got saved. The greatest thing he ever did was he took me from the life that I lived as the old man, the sinful man, the man without God, the man that was of the world and was the old nature, the man of Adam. And he took me from that to a place I didn't know existed. Amen? The spirit life, the Jesus life. 
and he begins to take you. If Jesus saves you, he will not leave you in your sin. He will not leave you like everybody else. He's going to pull you out of the crowd. And he's going to lead you to a life that he has planned, that he has purposed specifically for you. These people were his 12 apostles. And he tells them, let us go to the other side. And he says, get in the boat. Friends, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus tells you, let us go, when Jesus says, get in the boat, that ain't a time to debate and ask for more information. That's the time to say, amen, let's go and do what he says. You know what keeps so many people in the crowd just listening to Jesus, but never getting to really go anywhere with Jesus, never getting to launch out with Jesus? All you really came to church this morning to do is to hear from him. There was no intention of your life being altered and the direction being changed. And all of a sudden, Jesus saying, you know, you've been with this crowd a long time. You've been on this seashore. You know this, but I want to take you somewhere you've never been. I want to take you to the other side. You know, when me and Diane got first saved, man, the Lord just made a radical change in our life. How about you? I mean, we was, everything was different. A year in, just a little bit year over, he said, I want to take you somewhere else. He called me to a life that I didn't have to go, but he called me into the ministry to preach. And he took me to a place I never even realized I would ever get asked to go. Now, he doesn't call everybody to do that, but he does have a call for everybody in this room, a specific purpose that he specifically wants to activate and do and use in your life. And it's more than coming to church, sitting in a pew and never changing and never, ever going anywhere with Jesus. He wants to launch you out. He wants to move you from this shore to the other side. And he wants you to get in the boat. Now, friends, listen, I've looked and I've studied and I've wondered, why did he pick some to get in the boat when all the others that were there hearing him and listening didn't? And there's some things in here that I'd never seen until recently in this passage I want you to take note of. Jesus has got a multitude here, a multitude of people who have come to do what is good, to hear what Jesus has got to teach and preach and tell about the kingdom of God and hear the gospel. When he got through, a lot of people were confused. Now, how many times have you heard the word of God and you really didn't understand it, didn't know what it really meant, but it didn't bother you, you just went on back out? But how many times have you ever said, Jesus, I need to know more about that. Help me to understand it. You see, you don't always get it the first time you hear it. But they said, Jesus, explain to us what these parables mean. I want you to look at what Jesus says. When you look up above that, Jesus says to them in verse 24, then Jesus said to them, take heed how you hear. Friends, if you just come to church and every Sunday hearing is enough, and there's a lot of hearing and there's a lot of information gathering, but there's not any application and there's not a lot of doing what Jesus has been showing you. You're probably not going to get asked to get in the boat and go to the other side. You're going to sit with the multitude. Because he didn't give you the truth of kingdom's wisdom and the wonderful word of God just to hear it and say, oh, I've been spiritually entertained for an hour. Oh, what a wonderful truth. I'm thankful I have this knowledge. No, he's speaking into your life because he wants to take you somewhere that you can't go without him. And friends, listen, as he begins to talk to him, I want you to see this. 
Jesus is talking, and he says right there in verse 24, take heed what you hear. What he's saying is take heed how you hear. In fact, if you flip over with me to Luke chapter 8, look at what he says in, this, in, this, in Luke's account. He says in verse 17 of chapter 8, he's talking about the same thing, the parable of the sower of the seed that he's just taught. And he's fixing to tell them to get in the boat. And in the meantime, in verse 17, he says, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to the light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Guys, you've got to be careful how you hear God's word and how you listen to Jesus. And listen what he tells them in that verse right there. This is in Luke's account, verse 18. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away. If all you want is to hear and never do, I promise you it's never going to be all that it's supposed to be. If all you do is hear and never obey, as a matter of fact, the Word of God tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. You see, when Jesus spoke, some of these people, very few, said, explain to us exactly what you're saying, Jesus. We don't quite understand it. Lots of people every Sunday come to church and you don't really understand it. You go home, you don't go try to pray, you don't try to get in the Word, you don't try to get a fuller understanding. You never called a preacher and said, I would love to be able to... You know, someone recently done this. (laughs) It blew my mind. I invited them over, cooked them dinner, and we got in the Word this week, and we spent time looking and seeing... Because they said that sermon, it, we, we, we hear in you, brother, but we want to hear a little more. We don't quite know what to do with it. That's the kind of people Jesus is looking for. The person who said, I did my Sunday thing. I heard the sermon. I got spiritually enlightened a little bit, but I'm not planning on doing what it says anyway. So you just come every Sunday, you hear the word, but you never do what it says. Because listen, he says, if that's the way you think, And that's the way you hear the Word of God. What you think you have is going to go away. What you seem to have, you're going to lose. And friends, listen. Right after Jesus says this in in Luke's account, if you're there with me, and then we're going to flip back. I want you to grasp this. He's fixing to tell them, let us go to the other side. Get in the boat. Let's launch out. He, He tells them that these people come, and they come to him. And they say, Jesus, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are here looking for you. They're trying to come to you. And you know what Jesus tells them? Jesus says, Then his mothers and brothers come to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. And Jesus answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are are those who hear the word of God and do it. That's not there by accident. That's there for the hungry, desiring to understand the fullness of what he's trying to tell you will hear it. Not everybody will ever notice it. I've read it hundreds of times and I finally got it to come and resonate with my spirit. It's not enough to read it. It's not enough to be aware with it. Of it. It's not even enough to agree with it if you ain't going to do it. 
And Jesus knows everybody in this room today who wants to do what he says, not just hear what he says. Who wants to not just agree with what he says, but wants to apply it to their life. And that's the people who get asked to get in the boat. That's the people who get took to the other side. Why would he call someone to the ministry that don't even want to love the word of God? Why would he ask someone to go and do to the other side that they ain't even wanting to be with him on this side? Friends, these was his apostles. They were willing to get in the boat. And friends, listen, when Jesus says, let us go to the other side, get in the boat, it's not a time to ask for more information. You notice they didn't say, well, what are we going to do when we get over there, Jesus? Why are you wanting us to go to the other side, Jesus? Who are we going over there for, Jesus? No, they didn't ask none of that. Because if you've got to ask all that, it's no longer faith. And he's not going to tell you everything. He's going to tell you just enough to see if you're going to trust him. Because you see, ultimately what I trust even more than his word is his person. The reason I trust this book is because it's God's word. And if I didn't trust God, his word wouldn't be any more worth than your word. I love y'all. And God says, love all of you, but he never told me to trust all of you. I'd be a fool to trust everybody in here. Now, I give you limited trust based on the evidence I see of the fruit of your life. And we're all to love one another. But Jesus, my friend, you can trust him completely without everything explained to you. That's what's wrong. That's why some of you are sitting here waiting to hear for something that ain't going to come. He's already told you to get in the boat. He's already asked you to go with him somewhere, and you didn't go. I look back at my life at how many times I had an opportunity to go somewhere with Jesus to launch out and I didn't take advantage of it because I didn't say, okay, Lord, let's go right now. See, when he said let's go, he didn't mean tomorrow, next Sunday. He meant this day. And when I look at the call of God, the Bible says that one day Jesus was walking down the seashore and he seen two brothers, Andrew and Peter, mending their nets. They had a fishing business. They were fishermen. That's who we're looking at in this story. And Jesus looked to them and he called them. The call of God, my friend, is to leave this world, to get rid of this life and follow his son. That's the call. Everywhere you look in the Bible, Jesus is telling people over and over and over, not just to listen to believe me, but to follow me. As a matter of fact, he says this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me over and over and over you see these same things being said by Jesus in Matthew 10 38 this is what he says and he who does not take his cross that's God's will that's where he wants you to go that's getting in his boat going on where he he says and follow me he's not worthy of me listen to that and whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me he is not worthy of me friends listen the ultimate thing is not to just hear Jesus but to obey Jesus. It's kind of like this. When God reveals to you what he wants you to do, whatever it may be, no matter how small or insignificant, no matter how large and daring and scary it may be, just do it. Just do it. That's what he's looking for. And friends, listen, our immediate response should always be to obey. Not to say, well, Jesus, if you'll tell me exactly. When he asked me to preach, if I'd have known everything I know now, I probably never would have surrendered. Amen? 
When he first offered me my first church, if I'd have known what I was getting into then, I'd have probably said, I'm an evangelist. I'm just going to be a layman <laughs> preacher. He don't tell you everything. But what he does tell you is, do you recognize this is me telling you I want to take you here and I want to do this with you? The multitude was stuck where they were because all they did to come that day was to listen to Jesus. But the ones who was willing to follow Jesus, he did something. Guys, listen, you can't get in the boat and you can't go to the other side and stay sitting in the pew with the multitude of everybody else. I want you to notice in Mark's account, this is, it banged me, it pierced me. Because guys, you know what we try to do? We want to find a church where we all fit in. We want to turn a church where we're all alike. Us Baptists like Baptists. Us Pentecostals like Pentecostals. Ain't none of that in the Bible. And we want to be around people. They're a little bit too spiritual. They're a little bit too carried away. They make me uncomfortable. They just get a little bit carried away. They a little bit go overboard. So you don't want to be around that. But friends, listen. The bottom line is this. You can't stay with the multitude where you've been and go where Jesus wants to take you where you've never been. Because look at what it says when you look at this. He says in verse 34, I mean verse 35, and on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to him, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, did you get that? When they left the multitude. Do you understand that the multitude of Christians in America today are just listeners? They're forgetful hearers, but they're not doers of the Word of God. And friends, listen, it's not enough just to say, I believe Jesus. When God called Abraham out, this comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. The Bible says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which God had given him to receive as an inheritance. Did you hear that? By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive from God as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I got this old friend, he was crazy. <laughs> Daniel. What was, I can't, it's been so long. Daniel. Well, anyway, I told you all about him one day. I told you all this story. He was an old biker, got saved. Old Harley, I think a big old burly guy. He'd come to church. Me and him was both in this church called Holland Baptist Church. They was as Baptist and traditional and very, very stoic. Me and him showed up. We at the altar. Ooh, he's up in the choir. He'd show up, man. He'd have grease all over his jeans, have an old dirty shirt. He was the mechanic down at the sawmill. Come in on a Harley. Daniel pull up, he'd go in, he'd wash himself off in the bathroom and get grease all over their Baptist sink and get water dripped all over and he'd change his shirt and he'd go to choir practice and he sang in the choir and he had a big old bass so everybody heard him. And man, me and him became friends because we kind of like were the eyeballs there. And he come to see me one day at work and he said, man, I'm so glad you're here. You like me. I'm not the worst person in the church no more. I'm not the only drug head. All, 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 boy, me and him's talking. And he said, ain't it awesome how God just calls you? God just shows you something and lets you go places that you couldn't go without him. And we're standing out there behind that old place where we worked and there was hickory nuts laying all around where we'd get off that wood that we would burn when we was cooking barbecue. And he said, it's like you're walking along and all of a sudden God says, pick up that hickory nut. 
He said, and you go, wonder why God wants to pick up a hickory nut. What's that going to do? That don't make no sense. That ain't very important. He said, if you start thinking that, it's over with. He said, but if God says pick up the hickory nut, pick it up, don't ask no questions, and before you stand up with it, it's different. You've changed. You see something you've never seen. And you don't have to be explained why he wanted you to pick up here. See, why did he want him to go to the other side? He's got reasons I'm fixing to show you. But if he had no reason more than just to get you in the boat, to take you on a little faith field trip, to see where you are and where you think you are, and to show to you something that you can only learn one way in the boat with Jesus. See, there's some things in life, in the spiritual walk, called the faith walk with Jesus, that you can't learn sitting and listening to a preacher that you can't learn sitting in the pew listening to the church. There's some things you can only learn in the boat with Jesus going somewhere that you've never been and don't even know why you're going except that Jesus told me to go. And when Jesus finds a heart like that, oh, he's seeking for him. A heart that will listen to him. A heart that will get in the boat with him. See, that's who he chooses. Because Jesus said this in many places, in many verses. Many are called but few are chosen. I thank God he called me. I still can't figure out why he chose me. He's called me to go places that I didn't listen. And he left me where I was at. But there's been times when he called me. Why, I don't know. But I listened with an obedient heart. And I said, yeah, God, I hear you. Let's go. And he chose me. Man, when I was like preaching, it didn't take me long to figure out you got to learn more than what you know. You're a dumb sack of rocks. You can't pastor an old church. I need training. I need school. I told Diane, if I'm going to pastor a church, I had got dumped a church like an interim pastor. Our pastor had got run off by the deacons. And then they just put me up there, and I'm like the interim preacher. No experience, man. They were eating me alive. I got hurt. The church got hurt. I said, man, this pastor and this preaching is serial business. I need help. So I started trying to find a way to keep cooking barbecue, keep staying on the same old shore I've always been on where my security was in that good money we had been making. We both had good jobs. We was all safe. God said, I want you to go to seminary. And of all people, he used my mom and Roy. Roy said, you trying to go to these little bivocational schools up here. I was trying to go to night school. Everybody was saying, you need to go down to Huntsville. They got a night school. Takes 15 years to get a bachelor's degree, but it's better than nothing. Jesus will come back before I graduated there. And I'm like trying to get there and trying to fix work and fix my schedule. Everything I'm trying to do, Jesus is making it not work. I couldn't get there. I couldn't get a... So all of a sudden, Mama says, well, just apply. I said, Mama, I ain't even got my high school diploma. I just got it. So I just went and got my high school diploma. And when I graduated from a high school diploma, I had to write a term paper. And my term paper was, now that you graduated, what do you want to do? You know what I put? I want to go to seminary. And I want to get a seminary degree and be a pastor. That lady was, that's so sweet. That's a nice little paper. She didn't believe it no more than anybody else would have believed it. I wish I still had it. I lost it. She was like, that's so sweet. <laughs> Don't get your hopes too high. You'll get broken. But guess what? I applied. And Jesus made room for me in the boat. <laughs> then I had to quit my job. I had to tell my boss. He said, I'm fixing to give you a raise because now you're doing good. You've always been a good worker, but now you're a good person. <laughs> and I had to tell him, you know, God's not called me to cook barbecue no more, Philip. 
He's called me to pastor, and he's called me to go to seminary. We sold everything we got. We lived up there almost 12 years, and we went with everything we could have in one little U-Haul trailer. Old boy named Brother David hauled us down there, dropped us off at my mama's house. I had just enough money to pay my first semester. I didn't have no money for books, no money to live on, didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew Jesus told us to go down there. We got in the boat, and I want to tell you, friends, that the first thing happened the first night, we were supposed to be able to move in our family home where we grew up. My brother was in jail. He wasn't supposed to be there. Mama said he'll be in jail. They said for at least another year he ain't getting out. Y'all can have the house. God's got it all worked out. We had it all planned. The week we was moving, done sold all our stuff that we didn't want to bring, had everything packed up. Sunday was the last night. Mama called that Saturday and said, I don't know how it happened, but they got your brother out of jail. He's in the house and he's mad. and said, y'all ain't moving in there. That's his house. That's where he'd been living. Mama said, it ain't your house. It's all our house and you're going to have to share it. You ever shared the house with the devil's son? Because that's what we did. I came back down there. I was Jesus' kid. He was still the devil's kid. We moved in. We had storms, didn't we? We wasn't there two weeks. I told my brother, we going outside. One's coming back. Whoever wins gets to live here. Let's go. Diane's like, oh my God. We go out there. We done learned a long time ago. I got scars that he's put on me and he had scars I put on him. We done got too big and old for this kind of stuff. We hurt each other. We <laughs> Finally, we huffed. He said, oh, I said, we got to make a compromise here. Storms. Right where God sent us. Family problems. You know what? I go to seminary. I found out I can't go to seminary unless I have full life insurance. I mean health insurance. Come back to Diane. They, can't let, they won't let me go. I got to have health insurance. Well, you just quit your job. Your, your health insurance was with your job. What are we going to do? Diane's all going around trying to find jobs where she's always worked. She goes to CC's Coffee because we like coffee. She walks in the door, fills out an application to be a barista. Guess what? Anybody that takes full-time pay, not only do they get insurance, but their spouse gets full coverage for free. So she became a barista at CC's Coffee so that I could get insurance and stay in the boat. See, God provides. Man, I'm like, how's this going to work? Man, the best thing I ever found out was she made this drink called the Mocha Sippy, and she put me two extra shots of that, what's it called? Espresso. And when you're getting up tired and going to school at 7 in the morning, you drink that before you get across the causeway. You're ready for English, amen? <laughs> and she got moved up and became an assistant manager, and God made a way. Listen, my first semester, I got invited to take a church as the pastor. I had to tell them, wait. When I was up there in Tennessee, I'd have done anything to take a church. Now I'm thinking, I'm in school. I'm dumb. I ain't never been to college. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I said, I'll be your interim for one semester, and then if y'all are happy and I feel led, I'll be, so I'll become the pastor. After one semester, they said, you can move into Parsonage. Guess what God did? In one semester, he changed the whole situation at the house with my brother. He said, I don't want y'all to leave. I like y'all here. You know what he found out? Diane cleans house. Diane's a good cook. Diane's a good wife. And she kind of took him on like she did me. And guess what? He began to see there's a new Marvin and a new Diane. And God used us all that. You see, that's what happens when you get in the boat and you let Jesus take you to the other side, somewhere you've never been. I didn't know all of that was in the plan. I got to baptize my brother. He'd come to church, walk the aisle, and he made a profession of faith. 
and I baptized him. But in the midst of all that, there's still spiritual warfare, folks. My brother fell. He went back out there, started running those bars. He got another DUI. This time, he ain't getting out of jail. He was looking at 10 years. And in the meantime, he doesn't give up. He gets one night, he gets in his truck, he goes to go to a bar, he gets killed in a car wreck. 39 years old, that's a storm. But you know what? Through all those storms, I can't explain it. God's never, ever kept taking me forward. You see, when you with Jesus going where he wants to go and you listen to him, you're not stuck in the muck and mire. David said, he lifted me out of the muck and mire and he put me on the holy road, the road that leads to righteousness where you follow the plan of God. He don't leave his children stuck if you'll follow him, if you'll trust him. And you know, I look at this story and I know it's just to test our faith because faith does come by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God, but you gotta do more than just hear the word of God, you gotta trust it enough to obey it. And a lot of people say, are you talking works now, preacher? Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you follow me. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Friends, I want you to see something. They got in the boat with Jesus and there's three things I want you to see they encountered before they got out of that trip with Jesus to the other side. As they got in the boat, it says he took them from the multitude and he took them out into the sea. Now listen, as they left the multitude, think about this, they're looking back. They've always been with the multitude. That's where they're at. That must be where they grew up. They're leaving Galilee and they're going to the other side to a place called Gadareans. Gadara. Guess who lives at Gadara? The Gadarean demoniac. <laughs> you know what? If you get in the boat with Jesus, you are going to encounter spiritual warfare. You're going to run into demonic forces. And if you get in the boat with Jesus, you're going to encounter storms. And friends, listen, as soon as they get in the boat, I want you to see what happens. On that same day, it says in verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. They were sinking. Here they are sinking. You ever been there? Jesus, where are you at? You told me to go here. You told me to get in this boat that you were going to take me to the other side. And now, where you ain't even awake. You ever felt like Jesus was asleep on you? <laughs> and what did they do? They panicked. But they forgot something. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. They're going to get there if Jesus said we're going. But what did they do? They forgot. They panicked. They go to shaking Jesus. Jesus and I can identify with them because I've been in places like this. I, any of y'all ever been in a storm when you thought you was going to sink? I literally have been in one. I, I know it's getting late. I want to tell you this story. I better pray first. But anyway, they was in the boat. It's taking on water. It's filling. They think they're fixing to die. They wake Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, do you not care that we fix it to die? And man, I can identify so much. I want you to think about this. These are professional fishermen. You got at least five of them that fished for a living. That ain't their first time out in that lake. So the worst storm of their life as professional fishermen, it's the first time they get in the boat with Jesus. It don't make sense, does it? But friends, I want to tell you something. When you're in the boat with Jesus, no matter how bad the storm, there ain't a safer place to be. There ain't a worse place to be than on the old seashore, stuck with the same old dull life. Ain't never launched out with Jesus. Jesus ain't taking you nowhere, but you're safe. You see, when they went out, I bet some of them people seen them all leave, said other boats went with them. And I bet you when they started heading out there, they said, there's a storm brewing. They're going to be in trouble. 
I'm so glad I stayed on the pew. I'm so glad I just stayed in the crowd. Man, let's look at the lightning there. And I bet you when they got out there, there was a temptation to go back. I bet they started looking back where they came from thinking, Jesus is asleep, let's just turn around and go back. But you know what? When you get in the boat with Jesus, there comes a time where it takes longer and it's further to go back where Jesus found you than to try to get to where Jesus is trying to bring you. And that's when faith activates. You know what? I've been preaching too long. It's too late to go paint again. <laughs> it's too late to cook barbecue can. I ain't got nothing else to do now but serve Jesus. I'm in the ministry Jesus boat. And I'm there till Jesus calls me out of here. When you get in the boat with Jesus, as long as Jesus is in the boat with you, no matter how bad the storms get, Jesus, the worst storm of their life they had ever seen, it scared Peter. Peter was the one who, at the next time they were in the boat, said, Jesus, if it's really you, call me that I might come to you and got out of the boat and walked on the water. And everybody said, yeah, but Peter, he messed up and looked at the waves and lost his faith and he began to sink. Hey, Peter got out the boat. It's one thing to get in the boat with Jesus. Peter had enough faith to get out the boat with Jesus. Oh, man. You see, when you go with Jesus, it gets more and more to where your faith gets even bigger and better and you see even greater ministry. It's one thing to see Jesus wake up in the boat and say, peace be still, and the storm ceased. It's another thing to get out the boat in the storm and walk across the waves on the water with Jesus. But that takes more than just listening. That takes following. That takes going wherever Jesus tells you to go. The biggest heresy, the biggest problem with the church today is we are comfortably numb and satisfied with just hearing Jesus. And very few of us are following. We ain't going anywhere that's scary, that looks difficult, that takes faith, that if Jesus don't show up, we're going to sink and drown. We're going to play it safe. And the safe church is the dying church. The church that's seeing the life of God is the church that's ready to go wherever Jesus tells them to go and do whatever he's telling them to do. But listen, now we're going to find out where they're going. They didn't ask. We're going to find out why they're going. They get to the other side. They had no way of knowing where Jesus was going. They land on the other side. Soon as they get out, look at the first thing that happens. He didn't go find them some more Baptist brethren to hang out with. He didn't go to the church. <laughs> he took them to the graveyard. <laughs> look at what it says in verse 1 of chapter 5. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadareans. And when Jesus had come out of the boat, immediately, soon as they got there, Look what showed up, a crazy, demonic man. Naked, chained, ripping chains. Everyone's scared to death of him. He's, whoa, living in the graveyard, screaming and hollering. Friends, you know what Jesus does? He commences to minister to this man. Those demons inside of him said, Who are you, son of the most high God? Leave us alone. And Jesus commands them to come out. It wasn't just a demon, it was legions of demons. And those demons said something to Jesus. They said, will you give us permission? Don't put us in the abyss. Jesus, give us permission to go into these hogs. You see, what Jesus is teaching them that you never could have learned at the seashore with the multitude, 
is he's not just telling them, he's showing them that I have authority over the storms of life. I can tell the sea to be still. And I have authority over the demonic forces of the enemy, the devil himself. And they got to ask me for permission because all authority is mine. You can't learn that sitting in the pew playing it safe on the old familiar seashore. You got to get in the boat. You got to go where Jesus is asking you to go. And you're not going to get all the information you always want. All he's going to do is say, I'm ready to go. Get in the boat. And you go. He brings you to the other side. And so they seen this man who was naked, chained, cutting himself. I got a sermon I preach about him, that he was out of touch. He lost touch with all his loved ones, with God. He was out of touch with society. And he was out of control. They was trying to chain him up and couldn't. That's out of control. And he was finally out to destroy himself. That's what the devil's doing with people all around us. And Jesus shows up and heals him. And the man's sitting in his right mind. And the people showed up and they're upset because all their hogs has been killed and their hog business is bad. And they, they didn't want Jesus. They asked him to leave. So Jesus leaves. He gets in the boat. He goes back to the other side. And I know I'm getting long, so I'm going to close this out. He goes back to the other side. As soon as they get to the other side, he gets out and a leader of the synagogue named Jairus, a church man, is waiting You think he got there by accident? You could never find these people on your own. Jesus has to lead you to them. So Jesus leads them back to the other side. And when they get out, Jairus says, Oh, Master, please, my little daughter is at the doorstep of death. She's sick. Could you come and heal her? And Jesus says, Let's go. Bring me to her. They're on their way there. As they're walking, the multitudes all around them, they want to watch the show. They want to hear what he's got to say. But the other ones are following with him who's been with him. And as they're on the way, a lady who has an issue of blood, she's been bleeding for 12 years. She's in poor health. She's went to every doctor. She spent all her livelihood. And the Bible says nothing had worked. She hears he's coming. She sneaks through the crowd. She pushes through. And she says, she's got faith, my friend. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be made well. Jesus is walking. People are pushing and touching on him. There's a whole crowd. You ever been there? I'm pushing. I want to see Jesus. I'm looking. I'm trying to get on the front row. I want to have the best seat. I want to hear the music. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, Hop, pop, somebody touch me. He said, what do you mean, Jesus? Everybody's touching you. Look at this crowd. Jesus said, oh, no. This person, when they touched me, power came from my body. You know why power could come from his body? Because not only did Jesus have authority over the wind and the sea, not only did Jesus have authority over the devil and his demons, Jesus has authority over health and sickness. And as soon as that lady had faith enough to touch him, she got healed. And then the other people come, they said, oh, you done waited too long, the little girl is dead. It's too late, do not trouble us, the master. I got another sermon about do not trouble us, the master. If you ain't going to trouble with Jesus, who are you going to trouble when you got a, a need that no one else can fix? And Jesus says, oh, bring us to her. On the way there, he ran everybody else off. He only took a couple people there, the chosen. He brought them in that room. That little girl was dead. He took her by the hand and he told her, Talitha, arise. And that little girl rose and he gave them back to her parents. Let me tell you something, my friend. Jesus is worth getting. But I'd rather be in the boat with Jesus facing hell and the storm and sick than to be healthy, comfortable with everything America offers me and oh Jesus. And they never went nowhere and launched out. 
When you get launched out with Jesus, that's when you find out who he is and what he can do. The safe church member has no idea what the power of God can do through his son Jesus. Friends, I don't know about you. I want in the boat. I said, Lord, I don't care. I don't want to stay nowhere too long. I only want to stay a few days. If you're not there, Lord, where are you going? Because I want to go with you. How about you? Jesus, my friend, is so much more than what we have allowed him to no longer be. (laughs) He's the God of this book. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He ain't changed, we changed. He didn't change, the church changed. Thank God for doctors. But I don't believe for a minute the doctors in that hospital healed me. Three weeks ago, Tuesday, before that, I felt like Jesus was asleep. <laughs> I'm like, where are you, Jesus? I've been praying, why ain't he getting better? Lord, if you want me to have to use a doctor, I will. He gave me the doctor. The doctor, when he told me what he wanted to do, I said, he said, I said, well, that's what we need to do. He said, you okay? I said, look, I'm going to tell you, doctor, I'm a man of faith. I believe in the Lord. And I've been praying, and I believe that you are an extension of the healing power of Jesus. And so let's do this thing. You know what I got to tell him last Wednesday when we went for my three-week checkup after the surgery? I walked in, he says, well, how are you doing? I said, doc, thanks to Jesus and you, I got my life back. I'm a new man again. Friends, I, it doesn't happen to everybody. All I can tell you is I got in the boat one day and he keeps showing me, stay in the boat, you're going to be all right. Storms come. Demon, if you don't believe in demons, come follow us around. Be a pastor a little while. You'll find out demons are real. <laughs> and friends, listen, storms, y'all going to have them. Why not have them with Jesus in the boat, going somewhere that'll make a difference than just being safe, always worrying about the storms. I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. When he first took them on this field trip that he chose to bring them on. They didn't, get, they didn't ask to go. He said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. He got them out there. He understands where we are. He knows what needs to happen to increase our faith. So he got them out there in the middle of this sea, a place where they're all familiar. They're professional fishermen. A place where they're going to be comfortable in their own ability. And he let a storm happen that was so bad it was beyond their ability. It was beyond their experience and their expertise to deal with. And it was the only help, the only hope was to wake Jesus up. And Jesus, when they waken him up, they're scared of the storm. They're scared of the waves. Jesus, Jesus, get up. Don't you see we're about to drown? We're going under. And Jesus gets up. And when Jesus showed them who he was, the Bible says they were now fearful of him. They were more scared of him than they were that storm. And it was a healthy fear. It was a fear of reverence and awe. They said, who can this be that even the wind and the waves answer to his voice? Friends, that's our Jesus. He might be asking you to go somewhere you've never went. He's asking somebody to step out of being lost and to just trust him enough to believe him to save you. And today he will save you and he'll take you to the other side and he'll get you there. And one day you'll live in glory. If you're not saved today, you don't have to understand everything about the gospel, but you do need to know this. You can't save yourself or Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die on a cross. 
And because you can't save yourself by your religion and your goodness and your ability, he had to do it for you. What did he do? He gave his life for your life so that you wouldn't have to die. And now he receives your death. He died. And now he gives you your dead life without spiritual for his life. And he saves you. The death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible says that if you believe Jesus died for you according to the scriptures and you believe that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures and you put your hope in that, you can be saved. It's that simple. You, I didn't understand it all, did you? I, explained it. I understood just enough to get saved. And he saved me. Guess what? When I got saved, a lot of them questions I didn't worry about no more because I was saved. When he asked me to, to, to surrender to the ministry, I fought it. The preacher had to come and pull it out of me. And I finally, out of anger, I said, you don't understand. I think God wants me to preach. He started laughing. He said, I already knew that's what it was. And next Sunday, we're going to find out you're preaching. The next Sunday, I preached my first sermon. I didn't even have a suit. I had to borrow the deacon suit and wear it to preach my first sermon. And guess what? I was in a boat in a place I had never been. But I wasn't in there by myself. Guys, he's wanting some of you in this church to go places and do things. He wants to bring you to the other side. He wants to take you away from the crowd of where you've always been and what you're familiar with. Today, I'm asking you, I'm telling you, Jesus has got way more than what we all have settled for. And so I've said so much. What I'm basically going to say is, Jesus is probably telling somebody in here, let us go, I want to take you with me to the other side. He's telling some of you, get in the boat with me and we'll make it. And now you see, anything you can face out there, he's over it. He's over the storms, he's over nature, he's over the enemy, the devil, and he's over sickness. What else can you worry about? Death. He was even over death. That little girl was dead, folks. She had died. Can you imagine that poor old church leader, Jairus, that old preacher man or deacon? My little girl's dead. Jesus said, no, she ain't. Only believe. Arise. See, he even has power over death. If you die in the boat, who cares? You know where you wake up? In heaven with Jesus. Friends, I want to invite you today to get where Jesus wants you to get. Not where this preacher's telling you to get. Not where religion has told you you ought to be. Get where Jesus says you need to be. And I tell you what, your life will change. Amen? Amen. Today I just want somebody to come up and play on the piano. Brother Vincent, can you do that for me? Just get up here and play. As he's playing softly, I'm going to just say a prayer. If you're tired of being in the same old place, doing the same old thing, and you're wondering why Jesus forgot you, he ain't forgot you. He's just waiting for you to be willing to get in the boat with him. Today I believe Jesus is telling somebody in here, that's saved, get in the boat. I believe he's talking to someone who ain't saved to come on with me and I'll save you. If you need to come, if you're saved, come to the altar and just say, Lord, this is an expression of me getting in the boat. I'm ready to go. But if you're lost, all I'm going to do is ask you to come up to here to me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to let you sit down. And then I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to take the Bible and explain to you a little bit about what salvation is. But if you mean it today and you believe Jesus died, he rose again, and that he's your Savior, and you ask him to be, you're going to be saved before you ever get to Brother Marvin. I'm just going to help you to have assurance. And I'm going to ask you to do that. Because that's what this is all about. It ain't about coming to have a Sunday morning spiritual entertainment pep rally. Although that's part of it. It's so that we can follow Jesus. 
and he can lead our life to the other side. I don't know about you, but I'm going to the other side if that's where Jesus says to go. So I'm asking you to stand with me. I'm going to pray, and I'm asking you to respond in obedience. Follow Jesus. Don't just listen. Say, Lord, I'm getting in the boat. Lord, I'm getting saved. Today I'm coming for salvation. I'm going to ask you to do that. He will not let you down. He's faithful. His word is true. Father in heaven, I pray in the name of Jesus.